Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. Hi, everybody. Great to see you. Hey, join me in standing, if you would. We're going to begin just a little different. And I want to tell you about a a man named Daniel Nash. In... um, 1830 to 1831, there was an outpouring of God's Spirit in New York, Rochester, New York. There's a man named Charles Finney that, that was preaching, and, and Finney was, was kind of the, the, the front man. He, he was, he's really the face of uh, the American, what, what it looked like for revival, for God's move to happen in America. And what many didn't know was that he, he didn't attribute any of what happened. And in a, in a period of about seven years, over 500,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. And it, it was to the point where, where ships were coming into New York. And we're, we're talking like, I mean, I want you to picture this with me. People are, are on the ship, they're, they're immigrating into America, and they're, and they're coming into the harbor. And as they come into the harbor, the awareness of their need for God would hit them. And there were account after account of people falling to their knees and crying out for salvation. And this, this ministry that, that Charles Finney led, he would point to a man named Daniel Nash that any time that he would preach, he would send Daniel Nash in two, two weeks before. And Daniel Nash would go into an area and he would simply pray and cry out for God to move. And, and I just want to put it back in front of us that nothing happens that is worth anything unless it happens through prayer. Like, unless this gathering and what we are doing is powered by people that will cry out to God for Him to be everything that He's promised to be, it's not going to happen. And we become no different than any other gathering that happens on this earth. And so as we begin, I'm going to read from from John chapter 3 in just a minute, but but I want us to, to ask God to move. Ask Him to, to fill us individually and corporately. God's looking for people that will say, God, I I don't care about anything else except being filled by your presence. Because when we we reach that place and we say, God, I I want what you have for me. I'm laying down my way, my will, and I'm inviting you to fill me. His life fills us and then it moves through us. And so I'm going to pray because every week I I, I interact with people and I meet people and I know God is entrusting us with broken, hurting people. Every week they come through the doors. You can be here today and you feel like you're far from God and you're broken and you're hurting and you're bound in sin and you're frustrated by life and and, in the circumstances. Maybe you're sick and and you want to know, is it true? Does God really heal? Does he really set free? And I want you to know we are going to pray that you would know God's going to show up in your life today. He's going to heal you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to show you as only he can that there is no hope like the hope of Jesus. So let's pray together. Father, we ask that right now that, God, that you would begin to move in our hearts. 
Lord, you're looking for those that would, Lord, allow themselves to be a container of the presence of God. Lord, individually, you're, you're looking for those that will invite you to move in their lives. And so we say that. We respond to you. God, fill us. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your goodness. God, corporately, we ask that this house, Lord, that it would be so filled with your presence, that Holy Spirit, you would have such liberty and such freedom, Lord, that you would convict the sinner, that you would heal the broken, that you would remind every heart of how you see them, how you love them. Lord, deliver us from religious tradition. Deliver us from just wanting a nice service. God, draw us to you that we would be satisfied with nothing less than knowing your presence is filling our lives. Lord, thank you for, Lord, your promise that in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence, God, there's peace that passes understanding. We look to you. We invite you in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 3. This is the gospel of John the apostle. He records... Many things that the other Gospels do not. And he, he records these words in John chapter 3. And this is after, if you want to call it the, the most famous scripture, John 3, 16. Jesus continues and he says these things. And he, he says this in verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. And that's good news. Really good news. Like judgment, bad news. No judgment, good news. No judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Would you just pray this for me? Say, Lord, do it in me. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Praise God. So I tried last week, if you, if you were with us last week, I, I wanted to give us good context as we began, we're in a little bit of a different series. We're in a book study where we're literally walking verse by verse, sometimes word by word through the, the epistle of 1 John. We'll go into 2 John. We'll go into 3 John. 1 John is different in that it, it, it doesn't hit you like a letter. It hits you like a, a sermon. It hits you like a burning message from the heart of God. Second and third John, John, he's a, he, you, you feel a, a little more relational in it where he, he's, he addresses individual people. So it, it reads a little more like a letter, second and third John both. But first John, it's, it's the apostle of love going, I got to get this out. I want you to know my life message. And, and he, he does some wonderful things. Last week we talked about how he begins and his language is, is very similar to how he begins the gospel of John. He points back to creation. He points back to the reality that Jesus didn't just come into the world as a man, but he's 100% God. He existed in the beginning. And, and, and so his language is very similar in this gospel and then in this epistle. 
And then he, he talks about the fellowship that we're invited to with each other. And he talks about the, the work of God in you and I, and he attaches his joy, and he says that, that our joy would be made complete, that our joy would be filled. And, and, and he's saying that, that the work of God is really what matters in my life. Like, I want good things for you. I want you to experience wonderful things in life. I, I hope you have a great day today. But really, John is saying there is no joy like the joy when we look at each other and we see the life and the work of God in each other's lives. It, there's just nothing that compares to it. It's eternal. It's not temporal. Like, if you, you see me and, and, and I'm driving a new car and, and, and you can say, oh, Pastor Josh, I'm so excited for you. You're not driving the Prius anymore. That's great. And I'll say, I'm, I'm excited for me too. Thank you. You know what? It, it's great, but it's temporal. It's limited. But when God begins to work in our lives, there is no limit and the joy that we are invited to when we recognize and we encourage and we partner with the life of God in each other. There's just nothing like it. So John invites us to this and he talks to us about the life of God that is separate from any other life. And we talked about how it's, he refers to it as Zoe life. Life that's only known from knowing the source of life in God. And so if your walk with God is boring, or if it's mundane, or if it feels like this heavy burden, I'm going to tell you, you're not plugged into the right source. And God is inviting us individually and corporately to plug into the right source and know Zoe life today. And so this is the invitation. John says, you're invited to Zoe life, and now I'm going to show you how to walk in it. I'm going to show you how to access it. And so let's begin. We, we got all the way through verse 4 last week. We're going to pick up verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Man, what a statement. Well, you know what John's doing? And this is a wonderful teaching for us because there's all kinds of heresy that's trying to infiltrate the church. And John, Don, John doesn't get into the weeds and say like, okay, let me tell you about Gnosticism. Let me tell you about some of the things that they're teaching. And let's really study that. He simply de declares the truth. And, it, and it's wonderful. There, there's this wonderful truth that we can see that John gives us this, this example of is like, you want to be able to recognize a lie? Don't study the lie, study the truth. And John says, here's the truth. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. What a statement. Think about how people wrestle with that today. Did God do that? Why would God do that to me? Why would God just use that and, and, and take this evil thing and, 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 and infringe it upon people? Like we don't see these things clearly. And John is making this declaration and he points back to the beginning so that you and I have the right picture. And, and some of the teaching that was beginning to infiltrate in this, this heresy was that God was like this clockmaker that, that, that 
organized and he created evil and he created good and then he stepped back and he was distant and he just said, okay, you guys work it out. I'm going to give you free will and, and good is going to battle evil and evil good and it's this cosmic battle. And John was addressing that saying, no, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is not evil. Evil comes from the rejection of the light of God. Evil comes when God's light is there. And as Jesus said, people have chosen to walk in darkness. They don't like the fact that God's holiness reveals the darkness in their lives. And so John's just bringing this to light. All right, I'm, I'm looking at my clock. I'm getting bogged down. We got one verse. Verse 6, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Such powerful words. John says, we've been invited to live in the light. Don't live in spiritual darkness. And he, he's making this stark reality for us that, that the, it's not a blending, it's not a gray, it is black and it's white. There is sin and there is holiness. John knew this and he's known as the apostle of love. And it's interesting that the apostle of love comes after us this way and reveals this, this stark reality of the holiness of God. You know, scripture says God is holy over 400 times and says God is love two times. Now, these are not competing characteristics. They, they, they flow perfectly with one another. But John knew to understand the love of God, to understand the mercy of God, to have a revelation of how good he is, you have to understand how holy he is. And so John is laying it out there because John knows that for you and I to understand the grace of God and live in a place of gratitude, we need to understand that the grace of God did not take the holiness of God and bring it down to the standard of man. The grace of God lifts up and declares us holy even while we are in the process of sanctification. There's clarity that's, that's only there when we see light as light and darkness as darkness. And again, he, he brings this fellowship piece back to us because the church is being, being filled with like people from all different cultures and all different backgrounds like it never had before. You remember the church started as a Jewish church. And the Holy Spirit begins to explode the church and the gospel goes and Gentiles are being saved and people from... All different backgrounds are believing in Jesus and being invited into this fellowship in the church. And John's saying, we have fellowship. We have this common ground that goes beyond anything in the natural world. And it's based on our ability to recognize the light of God and the darkness that was in our hearts. We have fellowship with each other. And then he continues... Verse 8 says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. 
But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So what the Apostle John is, is doing and what he's, what he's explaining is saying, hey, listen, there's light and there's darkness. And if you try to tell me that you don't have darkness in your life, you're lying. And our fellowship is, is in this wonderful place of us not coming together and saying, I'm going to put on my nicest clothes and I'm going to act as nice as I can. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm not going to act. I'm going to act like I have it all together, like everything in life is fine. John says there's no fellowship there. That fellowship happens when we live in this reality of like, I see the light of God and I recognize that there is darkness in my life and I'm going to run to the light. Will you run to the light with me? You know, it never ceases to amaze me my capacity to creatively justify my sin. I, I, I'm really, really good at it. I, I have this, this amazing ability to take what is sin and to justify it by the actions of others or the circumstances of my life. And to, to make excuse to where I try to take what is dark and, and I just try to lighten it up a little bit. Just add a little light hue to it. Like as I shared last week, Ann and I, we just got back from a wonderful family vacation. And we, we put over 5,000 miles on our van, driving across the country. And Ann and I have six children. And... And the Lord is working this work in me in this reality of, I really like cleanliness. And I really like order. And I like when things have their place. And I'm severely outnumbered in this perspective. Like as we were packing, and Anna gets, she, she's so good with me. You know, as we're getting ready, the day before we, we were getting up early and getting on the road, like she was proactive with me. Like, Josh, they're going to have a stuffed animal. And I was like, all of them? They all need a stuffed animal? <laughs> yes, Josh. I was like, okay. They're going to have a pillow, Josh. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? You know, you know, the seats are padded in the van, right? And then Josh, they all, they, they're going to bring a blanket. And in my mind, I'm like, no. This, okay, let's do a little math here. So six children, <laughs> three items apiece. And my mind goes to those places, and I, and I think about my van, and I think about, y'all, y'all I got my van detailed before we left. <laughs> I really did. I, I, it, and, I, like, I took pictures of it. It looks so good. 
And in, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, I, I love the order of being a good packer. Like, I have it, test, you know, tetris out. Like, I, I, got the, I got room for this. And then I get really deceptive, and I'll wait till they're not looking, and I'll, like, take a blanket, and I'll wrap it up, and I'll put it in a plastic bag, and I'll shove it into the perfect place. So it's stored, not out, because if it's out, then it gets in the way, and it can get dirty, and... And I'm saying this with with some humor, but y'all, what comes out of me in those moments is sin. And I try to justify it this way, like, well, I'm just being crabby. I just like order. I like cleanliness and I like order. And and God's a God of order, so get on the side of God, family. And there were multiple moments on this road trip where I am not proud of what came out of me. I'd open the door and it would just be like, (laughs) stuff would just fall out. And I would just die a little bit inside. And there was attitude and there was, there was nastiness that came out of me and frustration that came out of me that is not to be justified. It needs to be called sin. Because listen, I don't want to be the same crabby dad a year from now that is still subject to, to life circumstances and would try to justify my sin with life circumstances. Now, I'm talking about a light subject, but I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to go to the deepest parts of your life and the nastiness that's in there that needs to be called darkness and doesn't need to be given a lightened hue and like, it's not so bad. We say things like this, well, I just got triggered. Like that's the coverall for nastiness coming out of our mouth and out of our actions. Look, you cannot receive, you give God no place to work in your life if you will not call sin, sin, darkness, darkness, and run to the light. That's what John is saying. He, he, he paints us into this wonderful corner of saying like, you don't get to say you don't have sin because we all do. The quicker that you realize that, the quicker that we all stop lying, And we recognize that the holiness of God, the sacrifice of Jesus, is something that doesn't make sense because he is so holy. His thoughts and his ways are beyond us. And yet by his grace, he reaches down and he says, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to declare you righteous. I'm going to declare you holy. And I'm going to fill you with joy. So even though you may have a mess going on, you're going to have peace and you're going to have joy as I am working in you. Wouldn't it be nice if it was like instantaneous? Like everything that we wanted God to do in our lives, it would just be this moment like boom, it's over. And we we love the stories about that. We love the stories of instantaneous healing. We love the stories of instantaneous deliverance. But let me just tell you, my, my experience in seeing in the word of God, he is more into the process than he is into the moment. He cares about the practice of our life and the process of our life. And that's what John's doing right now. He is saying, you have a practice of holiness that you've been invited to. It doesn't mean that everything in your life is clean. 
It means God has invited you into the practice of what it is to run to the light. Jesus said in John 3, he said, don't, don't be like those that love darkness. Run to the light. Verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. I would say it this way. When we make less of sin, we make less of salvation. When we try to lighten up and make less and justify the actions of our lives, we make light of the work that God wants to do in us. I'm not okay with that. I don't want to be the same father and the same husband and the same friend that I am today a year from now. I want the work of God to continue to transform. I want to call darkness, darkness, sin, sin, and allow the light of God to transform me. John encourages us. You remember, there's no breaks as he wrote this message to us. It was later added chapters and verses. So the same thought continues in chapter 2. Verse 1, he says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. How good is that? He, he said, I'm inviting you to this. I'm letting you know this. If you can recognize darkness and light and you can call sin, sin, and you will run to the light, sin is coming out of your life. This process is a successful process. This is not this continual place. If you're in a place of habitual sin and, and heaviness, I want your heart encouraged today that you would know God is at work in you. That sin is coming out of your life. Whether you see it, whether you feel it, whether you have an emotional belief with it, I want you to know God's word is promising. As we submit ourselves to his process, sin is coming out of my life. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sin, not only our sins, but the sins of the world. You know, there's sometimes that, that, that I'll meet with people and I'll get questions like, hey, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do this? Like, like hard questions. Like, how far is too far? Like, Pastor Josh, marijuana is illegal in a lot of places now. Don't you wish that people came to you so they didn't have to come to me to ask those questions? And, and here, here's my response to those. What formation is happening in your life by that practice? Is there a formation that is, that is aligning your heart with the heart of God? Is the practice of your life, and what, what, what John is doing here is he's saying, we've been invited to a practice. It's the practice of running to the light that frees us. It's the practice of avoiding the light that binds us. And y'all, it's too late. You are pastored by a guy that was addicted to pornography in seminary. And now I'm saying this out loud and in public, and my mom is on the front row over there. Like, we're, we're into the awkward places. 
you will never convince me of the power, that, that, that God's power is not alive and it's real today. It transformed me only when I called it as sin and only when I brought it out in a place of confession. That's what John's saying. So, it, it really is, is this place that we, we've been invited to. It's not a heavy place. Legalism wants to, to make this conversation a heavy conversation when it's really the opposite. There is no joy like the joy of being received by Jesus when our life is still a mess. There's no joy like the joy that fills our hearts when we've been declared righteous and declared holy by a holy God who loves you and cares and steps in and is working in your life and the evidence in your life doesn't necessarily back it up. John has the, these words that are judicial words. It's a court setting. And he says, even when there's evidence because of this practice of belief in Jesus and running to him, the evidence has a louder voice that speaks against it. It's the voice of Jesus. He stands up and he says, I, I, I've taken the penalty for that. That's already paid for. And you know what? The process that's happening, even though this may happen next week, I paid for that too. And so I declare them righteous. I declare them holy because they're bringing it to me. And, and this is what fills my heart today is not that, that we would just see these things, but there would be an activation that comes out of your life, that there would be a holy dissatisfaction, that God's not up there with a stick waiting to, to hit you on the head when you admit, admit your sin, but he's waiting to heal you and to cleanse you. And don't keep it in the darkness. Don't, don't, don't keep it in that, that place where it feels like it's safe. You know, this last week I was reading in 1 Kings and Solomon is known as the wisest man who ever existed. And yet he did some really dumb things. The wisest man who ever existed, he, he, he got things mixed up. He did what so many do today is he, he took this thing of, of love and he, he, he reversed it. Instead of it being God is love, it was love is God. And the Bible says that, that he began to marry and he, he had over 700 wives and, and all these concubines. And, and what happened was he raised love and his idea of love above the holiness of God. And it's this picture of, of just the little things that, that he just let get out of order. And it started when he was young. And he kept these things in these little places, these little places of sin, and he just let them fester. And there would be good things that, that came out of him. He finished building the temple. He, he's doing all these amazing things. He's glorifying God, but he kept these little hidden places. These places of his heart that were unsubmitted to God. And the word of God tells us, I believe it's in 1 Kings chapter eight, that in his, whole, his old age, those little sins turned his heart away from God. Because there's no such thing as just little sin. There's sin and there's bringing it to the light.
I want your hearts filled with not just hope, but expectation that as you bring your life, your heart, and the places that, that are dark and are sinful to God, he's not angry, his arms are wide open, and they're filled with healing, and they're filled with power to meet you today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to respond to God today. Many of you are going to experience joy that has evaded you for far too long. You're going to know the joy of what it is to be loved by God, to be fully known and fully loved. And I want your expectation to be that the, the sin that, that you've seen, and maybe it's even gotten to the point where it's just taken a place in your mind of this is just who I am. God wants to speak to that today. He wants to address those places and say, I, I want to work in you. Will you bring it to me? Will you allow my light to shine in your heart? Genesis tells us that when the earth was formed, that the Holy Spirit was there. He was hovering over the waters. It was dark. There wasn't anything there. And he was waiting for the word of God. And he's there today. He's there for you and I to align our lives, our hearts with the word of God. And he's going to step in. He's going to breathe life. He's going to deliver. He's going to set free. You're going to know the Zoe life of God. Lord, I pray courage over every heart. Lord, I pray against the lies of the enemy that would, Lord, try to bring shame and condemnation. Lord, thank you that today our advocate stands up and speaks louder that you are standing up, you are speaking louder than the voice of shame, of condemnation, and you are inviting us to you. And so, Jesus, we respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.